0: It's been a while. You guys remember how I do things over here?
1: God is good? Did you hear the tambourine?
0: You hear the tambourine, you go, Chris's mom is here. That must mean Chris is here. So, what have you guys been up to? I see a new sign, a new logo. Lots of new stuff happening. Oh, me, not much. I'm just planting a church. (laughs) (laughs) I missed you guys. It was actually kind of sad when I went to get my name tag and the printed one wasn't there and I had to write my name on it. I was like, I really don't go here anymore. (laughs) But the good part was standing out front, seeing everybody and getting mobbed and getting hugged. It was like old times, so I thank you for that. I have been doing a lot of thinking, a lot of planning, a lot of praying, a lot of meeting for this church plant thing that we're working on. And I've actually learned a couple things. You might know this, maybe you don't. But two of the things that people are most afraid of, especially unchurched people or de-churched people when it comes to going to church. Number one is the church is going to change me. They're going to want to change me and make me do something I'm not comfortable doing. And number two is the church wants to take my money. You hear about it all the time. You watch TV where these televangelists want, to, want you to give so they can buy a plane. You've seen that. So a lot of people look at church and go, oh, they just want to change me. They want my money. The third thing is they're afraid to be singled out as a visitor. So right now, if you're a visitor, please stand up. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Just kidding. But we are going to talk about the other two. We're going to talk about change and we're going to talk about money. We're going to continue our series on the Sermon on the Mount. And today we're going to look at Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 through 24. So if you have your Bible, bring it out. If you have the app, bring it out. Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 through 24. Matthew's the first book of the New Testament. So if you're in the Old Testament with all the names that end in I, keep going. And you'll get to Matthew. All right, verse 19. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Oh, ooh, excuse me. Sorry. That was terrible. <laughs> Let me try that again. Where your... Starbucks. <coughs> where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is a lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, and your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? And finally, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate one and love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Heavy, right? I know, I know, especially if you're a guest, you're feeling like you hit the lottery, right? Like, oh, I finally decided to go to church. Maybe your mom and your grandma brings you to church on Thanksgiving weekend, and you're like, oh, great, now they're going to hit me in the wallet. I showed up on money Sunday. I've done that before where I visit a church. In fact, we've been visiting a lot of churches lately, and we go in, and it's Money Sunday. And we're just like, how did we win this lottery? And then they're like, you got to give more for all of our programs. We're like, we don't go here. So I'm not trying to hit you in the wallet and ask you to give more. I want to talk to you about what God says about money. I want you to understand that today's teaching, it's not about money, it's about your heart. And if you remember how I do things, I talk to you a lot and I ask for feedback. So I want you to remember that today is not about your money, it's about your heart. I'm going to do that a couple times, so get ready. But first we're going to pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this opportunity to be with my old friends and family here at Lighthouse Community Church. I want to lift up a couple of people that I heard about this morning. Tony Pecca, who's in the hospital with uh, inflammation of the pancreas, I believe. Some kind of stomach issue, Lord. I know he's in pain so I just want you to be with him and with his family in this difficult time that you would guide the hands of the doctors and nurses and just bless him Father and let your will be done in that situation and let you be glorified in that situation and I pray for Matthew Aragon, a little young guy who just had his appendix out so he's recovering as well I just want you to to bless him Lord and speed his recovery according to your plan and according to your will and I pray for this morning that we would have open hearts and open minds as we talk about your design for giving and for money and how we best can serve you even right now in this holiday season So I thank you, Lord, for this time. I pray you would speak through me and my words would be your words and that open hearts and open ears would receive them and we would do with those words what you would call us to do. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so when Eric asked me to speak and he told me the scripture, I thought it was pretty timely because we just had the biggest shopping day of the year. We had Black Friday. Now, last year, somebody left, okay. Somebody was shopping. Somebody over here. Okay, last year when I spoke at Christmas, we talked a lot about Christmas time statistics, things that happen around Christmas time, and I don't want to do that again, but I do want you to understand the magnitude of what just happened about 72 hours ago with Black Friday. Now, we don't have numbers for 2017 yet, but in 2016, online sales hit a record-breaking 3 billion dollars, billion with a B. And 1 billion of that was done on mobile phones and mobile tablets. Over a billion dollars spent from your phone last year. That doesn't even count what's happening in the stores. And that's a holiday that centered, that's 24, <laughs> the spending happens less than 24 hours after a holiday that's centered around talking about what you're thankful for. Thank you, God, for all that I have, but I got to get in the car so I can get this PlayStation. <laughs> How many of you had a Thanksgiving celebration where you talked about what you were thankful for? How many of you prayed about what you were thankful for? All right. Now then how many? You don't have to raise your hand. How many of you were in lines less than 24 hours later buying more stuff? Got a couple honest people in here. Appreciate it. How is it that we pray and think and journal and talk about thankfulness and then 24 hours later we put on our trampoline shoes so we can get to Walmart, Kohl's, Kmart to stomp the guy to get to the first, be the first guy with the Nintendo Switch or the first guy with the new stereo system? I'm not saying you all did that, but there are some people sitting in these very seats right now that were standing in lines on Friday. Some folks woke up early or stayed up late to get that deal that they wanted. And you think with all the savings, with the urgency of Black Friday, we would have a smaller Christmas budget. We would spend less money. But Eric sent me an article saying that 24% of all shoppers say they overspent in 2016. 27% said they didn't even have a budget at all. So are we saving money, are we just collecting stuff? The worst part is a lot of people are still paying for last year's purchases. 24% of millennials, and I don't like the word millennials, but 24% of young people still haven't paid off credit card debt incurred during the 2016 shopping season. 24, that's one in four, still are paying for last year's Christmas purchases. 16% of Gen Xers and 8% of baby boomers. So if you're looking down your nose at the millennials, Fifty of you baby boomers in here, four of y'all still paying the bill, statistically. Great, Chris, I get it. We spend too much. Money bad. Jesus good. We got it. <laughs> let's go to lunch. But again, this isn't about your money. It's about your? Fire. So let's look back at the scripture. And before I do, I want to tell you that this part is heavily influenced by a guy named David Guzik. He's a theologian of sorts. He has a website called Blue Letter Bible, and he does a commentary that's really good. So a lot of these words are taken from him. So I want to give him credit before I go into it. Excuse me. The first verse, verse 19, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. The ancient Greek more literally says, do not treasure for yourself treasures on earth. The idea is that earthly treasure is temporary. And it's fading away, but heavenly treasure is secure. To lay up for yourselves treasure on earth is to doom yourself to a life of frustration and emptiness. John D. Rockefeller, who was at one point the world's richest man, the first ever American billionaire, when a reporter asked him how much money is enough, he responded, just a little more. Never enough. This guy was a billionaire in the 1900s, which if you adjust for inflation, he's still the richest man ever. When they said, how much is enough? He said, more. Because even if you have everything, you still want more. When it comes to material things, the secret is happiness, not more. It's, it's contentment. And what about the vermin and the thieves? You've got to remember that the, the ancient Egyptians would bury themselves with riches and jewels and pearls and diamonds and rubies and whatever else was wealthy in that area. They live by that motto. You ever seen this on a t-shirt? He who dies with the most toys wins. But I believe that he who dies with the most toys still dies. (laughs) We can't take it with us. You probably heard another saying, I've never seen a hearse pulling a (laughs) U-Haul. Now you have. You can't say that anymore. Anybody ever seen that before? You can't say that anymore. I've ruined you. (laughs) (laughs) Verse 21, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Jesus was telling us that you can only have your treasure and your heart in one place. We can't store up treasure on earth and heaven at the same time. It's not about getting value, it's about what you value. It's not about getting a value, it's about what you value. If your non-Christian friends, your unchurched or de-churched friends watched you, You're a reality TV star, and they're able to watch the last 72 hours of your life. What would they see? Would they see Jesus? Would they see serving? Would they see sharing? Or would they see shopping? Would they see you giving thanks one minute and standing in line to buy more stuff the next? I'm not trying to make you feel guilty or bad, but hopefully to make you look at things from another angle. When was the last time you stood in line for Jesus? When's the last time you gave up sleep or you woke up early to serve someone else, to worship, to read your Bible. Or when you look at your life, do people see Jesus or do they see everyone else? Do they see the crowds? Are you in those crowds? And it's okay. I went shopping yesterday. I bought this shirt yesterday. <laughs> and it was on sale. <laughs> but again, it's not about your money. It's about your? Power. That was a little weird. We're going to work on that. It's not about your money. It's about your? Power. There we go. Here's another one. This is not to make you feel guilty, but it's to give God the glory. I don't want you to walk out here going, man, I feel terrible about all that shopping I did yesterday. I'm going to take it all back and give it to the soup kitchen. That's great, but I'm not asking you to do that. Again, I'm not telling you what to do with your money. We're talking about how you feel, how you think, and how you express those feelings, and how you express that thought process in your day-to-day life. Verse 22, the eye is the lamp of the body, If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Here's a little more guzik for you. Light enters through the body, through the eyes. Light enters the body through the eyes. Being generous brings light to our eyes. Have you ever heard that phrase, his eyes lit up? When I did this, his eyes lit up. When I do this, my eyes light up. When I'm doing the thing I feel called to do, when I'm teaching, when I'm nursing, when I'm playing music, when I'm teaching, my eyes light up because it's what I feel I'm called to do. It's what I was put on this earth to do. Your eyes lighting up is a good thing. We're happier and more content when we have God's heart of generosity. But if we're not generous, it's as if your whole body is full of darkness. So what does that mean? You've heard of giving someone the evil eye, right? The evil eye was a phrase in use among the ancient Jews to denote an envious, covetous man or disposition, a man who was repined at his neighbor's prosperities, a hater, in other words, all right? Someone who loved his own money and would do nothing in the way of charity for God's sake. The eyes are not just what we see, but what we show. If you have an evil eye where you're jealous or envious or covetous, people are going to see that. And if you have light in your eyes, Through love and generosity and service, people are going to see that too. Now, I know how the world works. We need money to survive. Every one of us in here has a job or had a job or is trying to get a job. Sometimes we go shopping and spending money can make us feel good. We go to Target, we look at what's on sale, we check the clearance rack. If you're my wife, you check every clearance rack. (laughs) Then you use the cartwheel app to see if you can save 5%. If you have the cartwheel app, you're doing it right according to my wife. Then you use a red card so you get two percent back, right? My wife loves Target. But how often do we end up buying things that we don't need? Because it feels good. Especially right now, we give gifts to people so that people feel loved. But do they need the gifts to feel loved? Don't they feel loved without the gifts? If you show them the love of Jesus, they would. Do you have to buy something to make someone feel loved? Is it required? A lot of people in here are thinking about your list. Man, I got to get something for un- Uncle Tom and Susie and Little Pearl and Little Jimmy. <sighs> if I don't, how old are they now? <sighs> so you find up at Target like two months or two nights before Christmas, like cars. He likes cars. And Here's a puzzle. You know, here you go, Jimmy, puzzle. Just so they don't feel left out, right? You don't want them to get to Christmas and they're opening gifts and they don't have anything. Or even worse, they have gifts from all your brothers and sisters, but you don't have one? and you're like, oh, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, Jimmy, I didn't know you were coming. You know what I mean? <laughs> if you're like my dad, you run to the store and you get gift cards. You come back with like a Rite Aid bag and you're like, Here's a, I thought about you. I want you to feel loved. Here's 25 bucks on a Visa card from Rite Aid. And they sit there and go, cool, thanks. And it goes in your pocket and you forget about it. But that's supposed to be how I tell you I love you. That Rite Aid gift card or that puzzle at the last minute at Target is me saying, I love you. I think we can show people that we love them better than a gift card. One of the ways we know what's in your heart is by where you spend your money. Verse 24, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. This is about authenticity. It's not only about what you do, but it's about what's in your heart. And one of the ways we know what's in your heart is how you spend your money. And that's an example of how we can bear fruit. Luke 6, 43 and 45. No good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. The mouth speaks what the heart is full of. And Jesus said, Matthew 7, 16, by their fruit, you will recognize them. Can we recognize you? We look at your life for the past 72 hours, the last three, six months, the last year, or even going forward for the next four weeks. Are we going to recognize? Are we going to recognize your fruit? Anybody see Justice League the past few weeks? Raise your hand if you saw Justice League couple people not too many all right even if you don't read comic books you you know superheroes so maybe you think justice league is cheesy but i'm going to prove that you already know superheroes and this part i need you to yell okay i need you to yell it out nice and loud i'm going to ask you a question i want you to yell it back to me so what is superman's secret identity see you know superheroes what is batman's secret identity spider-man all right You guys must be a DC Comics crowd. (laughs) And what's your secret identity? Chris Dickens. (laughs) I mean it. Some people wear Christianity like a secret identity. Some people put on a mask or a hat. We claim to know and serve Jesus, but we go through our day putting our jobs and our bosses' wants and needs first. And then we feel bad, so we read self-help books. And we get coached and have strategy sessions with life coaches and, or we turn to retail therapy and we buy things we don't need or we dream about buying things. You put a Corvette or a, a special car on your desktop, one of these days this purchase is going to make it all worthwhile. The sacrifice, I'm going I'm to make up for this time away from my family when I buy this house. I'm going to make up for this time away from my family when I buy this, these tickets to this dream vacation. I'm going to make up for the, th- the things and the time that I should be spending and the things I should be doing with this purchase or with this trip or with this event. But your time, what you do day to day, is work and focus on money. Now, we serve our bosses. If you listen to any podcast, Tony Robbins, Gary Vaynerchuk, Eric Thomas, you talk about, I want to succeed as badly as I want to breathe. You ever heard that? If you work hard enough, you'll get it. Put in more hours, work that much harder, but where is Jesus in that equation? You leave your family to put in more work so you can buy more stuff to impress people you don't know. Or to take a trip. And that trip is an apology. I'm sorry, kids. I'm sorry I've been gone for 12 hours a day. I'm sorry I've been working seven days a week. I'm sorry, but here's some Disneyland tickets. I'm sorry, we're going to go to Hawaii and it'll be real cool. You'll get daddy for a week, but then say goodbye because I'm going right back to the grind. Tony Robbins has a thing that says unleash the power within, but you already have a power within. So what are we chasing? Some people wear Christianity like a hat. I know I do. Sometimes I'll say, I've got to put on my pastor hat and go visit this person in the hospital, or i got to put on my pastor hat, I'm going to go pray with Jim because he's having a hard time, or, you know, I'm, I work in sales, i got to be the number one sales expert, so I put on my sales hat, and then I go home and i got the daddy hat, you know, and I I'm putting on all these different hats. But what about the people that you don't know that are watching you? What hat are you wearing most of the time? See, what will happen is you put on your work hat and you're grinding, and then a crisis hits. Somebody at work loses a loved one or, or a friend from Boy Scouts or Girl Scouts gets bad news, they have cancer, and you spring into action. You've never invited them to church. You've never shared the gospel with them. You've never invited them to work with you on a mission trip. These people probably don't even know that you're a Christian, but what do you do? You run into the phone booth, you put on your costume, and you come out, Dun da da I'm Christian. And you go to them, like your secret identity, and you go, hey, Eric, uh,
1: I'm a Christian.
0: Can I pray with you? And then something else happens. Somebody's in a terrible car accident. You say, oh, I'm going to put them on the prayer list at church. And your coworker looks, he goes, church? Yeah, church, prayer list. What do the prayer list do? So some other people are going to meet here on Wednesday morning and pray for him. Not me, but some other people, they'll pray for him, I promise. And it'll be great. Your superhero mode, your Christian faith, doesn't have to be overt, and it definitely shouldn't be used as a weapon, but if the only time Sheila in accounting knows that you're a Christian is when something bad happens to you, then they will only associate Christianity with bad things. Say that again. The only time Bob in HR or Sheila in accounting knows that you're a Christian is when something bad happens. They're going to associate Christianity with bad things. Some of us look at the Bible like, in case of emergency, break glass. You go through your life, work, 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 money, 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 and something bad happens, and you say, dun da da Jesus. Or even right now, the Christmas season. Hey guys, it's Christmas. Reason for the season. Hashtag Jesus. You think I'm joking. You know how many people post their Christmas trees or their angel crafts or their their decor? Jesus. Hashtag reason for the season. Hashtag Jesus. Okay. But what does your life look like? Now, in case you haven't seen Justice League, I apologize. I'm going to give you a spoiler. Superman comes back. I know, I know. If the posters didn't tell you already... Superman comes back to life. I hate to ruin it for you. You thought he was dead? You thought he was dead? Nobody dies in comics. Come on. At least not permanently. Actually, wait. There is one person who died in comic books. Clark Kent dies. Not Superman, but Clark Kent, his secret identity. Let me explain this to you. If you're not a comic book nerd, like... Frankie Mansky. <laughs> my boy Shane. The business of being Superman was too much work. So he couldn't be both Clark Kent and Superman. So they had a funeral for Clark Kent. So, Sup- so Clark Kent could die and he could be Superman full time. Did you get that? Superman couldn't do both. So I know you can't do both. It's Just Superman. <laughs> Superman said it's too hard being this guy one minute and this guy another minute, so I'm going to be consistently one person. Last year when I took the uh, the youth group to see Batman versus Superman, we had a short sermon on how Superman is like Jesus. Superman saves your life, but Jesus saves your soul. You guys remember that one? All the pictures of Superman, he's standing like this, above the world getting ready to to save him. He's in Christ-like positions, Christ-like poses. Look at every movie you see Superman, he does this, like he's on a cross. And then he goes down and saves the day. Da-da-da-da, I'm Superman. But if Superman saves your life and Jesus saves your soul, how? Now you can say, sure, I know through the death, burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ I have eternal life. But I want more people to know that, and I want to walk with him and, and be with him and share with him so all my friends, all my unchurched friends, de church friends, can learn about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ and live with him and walk with him for all eternity. Amen? That's what we say we want to do, right? We want to share. We want to proclaim the gospel from the ends of the earth and all these wonderful things that we say. Jesus doesn't stop bullets or beat up supervillains, but he does something better. He empowers us to be heroes. When I told that story, February of last year, a friend of mine had just been killed. He was gunned down. <clears throat> this wasn't some gang thing. He was a successful businessman in Tustin. He owned a martial arts gym where he used to teach boxing and martial arts. And this guy who was jealous of his success, the guy he came up with that wanted to kind of buy into his business, da-da-da-da-da, he told him no. He was jealous. He came in and shot him, killed him. Like one minute he was there, the next minute he was gone no warning, no plan. I remember telling the students, I said, man, I wish there was a superman to swoop in and stop those bullets. I wish there was a superman to swoop in and, and save the day and, and, and save my friend's life, but it didn't happen. I couldn't save him, but I can save a lot of other people. I can't stop bullets, but I can share the gospel. One of my favorite scriptures, Galatians 2.20 Paul writes, I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Jesus is a full-time superhero. Jesus is full-time Superman. Therefore, I am full-time Superman because he lives in me. I've been crucified with Christ so that I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. That means I'm an empty vessel. That means God's driving and I'm in the passenger seat. That means God tells me what to do and where to go. We can't serve God and money. We have to pick one. I got another story to share with you. I didn't want to share this one because I thought it was kind of self-congratulatory, but my wife told me I should share it. So last week was our 11-year wedding anniversary. Yeah. And we went to Catalina for the weekend, and my mom watched the kids. Thank you, Mom. But it was a rough weekend for me because I had a really bad sinus infection. Where you can still hear me sniffing. So I couldn't breathe. I woke up like every 20 minutes trying to blow my nose, right? And then my back was bothering me. So, you know, Catalina, you got to walk everywhere uphill. And I was like, oh, my back's bothering me. My nose is congested. I can't breathe. I didn't have good sleep. We were on the 430 boat back here to Dana Point, And I really wished... We took the 9:30 boat. I asked Jenny that morning, like, "Hey, do you want to switch to the 9:30?" She's like, "No, we've got a romantic picnic planned. We got the glass-bottom boat. We got..." And I was like, "Okay." <laughs> Seriously, that's how I felt, and I probably sounded worse. Like, no, no, no. I sounded terrible. So, long story short, we had our romantic picnic, which was nice, and we went to this boat, but it wasn't the glass-bottom boat. It's called a semi-submersible vehicle. What does that mean? It means it's like a half boat, half submarine. So the bottom is like a submarine, but the top is like a boat. You with me so far? Okay, so as we walk over to this line for this trip, there's a guy in line right in front of us in a wheelchair. And his wife is standing there with him, and they're talking. So I didn't hear this, but my wife told me that when we walked up, she said, we'll figure it out, or we'll just have to make friends with somebody really strong. And so Jenny looks at me, and she says, This guy can't get down the stairs. Will you help him? And my heart said, yes, of course. Anybody needs me, I'm going to help him. My body said, wait a minute, brother. (laughs)
1: Because
0: my back was already killing me, and I couldn't breathe, and I'm like, how am I going to carry this man down the stairs? But we walk up, and she's saying, well, we'll just have to make friends with somebody strong. And Ginny looks at me and goes, will you do it? I said, well, yeah, of course. So we get to the front of the line. I don't know if this guy thought there was going to be like a ramp or something, but I'm already knowing what time it is, right? I'm like, okay, I'm going to have to carry this guy. And so I thought I'll put him over my shoulder <laughs> and then just, you know, take him down the steps into the boat. But it's a small hatch, so he would have been too tall. Long story short, this guy wheels out on the boat. He looks at the stairs and he looks around and he didn't say anything. He didn't have to. I said, "I got you, brother." I literally put this man on my back and carried him like a baby, like my babies, down eight stairs. Yes, I counted. (laughs) To the bottom of this boat, and I couldn't breathe through my nose, so I'm sucking. (laughs) As I'm carrying this, Jenny said he's about a buck forty. I said about buck seventy, right? I'm carrying this hundred and seventy pound man down the stairs. And then I have to do like a squat to get him on the seat so he can sit and look out the window. So I'm like, ah." Finally sit him down, take a hit of my best friend, the nasal spray. ah." And I'm sitting here, and we're taking off to go look at the boat, and I'm like, oh, my back. Oh, my nose. But then Jenny says, look at them. I hate when I come here. I always get emotional, but you guys are probably expecting that. Jenny says, look at him. And I look at this man. And he's sitting with his wife, No chair just him and his wife on this boat going to look at some fish. And they want to talk to us. Hey, man, thanks a lot. I'm like, it's all good. (laughs) What are you guys here for? We said, oh, our anniversary. Oh, us too. It's their one-year anniversary. And he got to go down and check out the boat, check out the fish. No chair. He was just a normal guy. So this isn't about how cool I am this is about them. Think about this. They bought tickets to a semi-submersible vehicle. And this man's in a wheelchair. Not only that, but they had faith that God would send someone and he sent me. I was an answer to prayer that day. And as we rode back to the harbor, my superhero cape was blowing in the wind. <laughs> I helped him get back up and out of the boat, and he sat on the boat and the wind's blowing in their hair and they're talking and everything's good. And he says to me, he says, thank you so much, man. I want to take you to lunch. I don't know how to repay you. And I said this. I didn't think to say this. This was God. I said, no problem, bro. I'm just loving my neighbor as myself. And we get off the boat. And Jenny says, oh, no. And they said again, well, no, we want to take you to dinner. Where do you guys live? Irvine there in Carl's bed. Oh, let's go. Let's meet up and go to dinner sometime. I said, OK, cool, whatever. Then Jenny says, we should get their phone number so we can go to dinner with them sometime. And there's something about that interaction that made me go back and exchange information. It turns out this man was paralyzed on his way to Bible camp. He was paralyzed from the neck down. He couldn't move anything. Now he's only from the waist down. He's making progress. He met his wife in the hospital in recovery. She was his nurse. So this is the only way she's ever known him. And she loves him. Obviously, they're married. They're celebrating. They're doing life together. But they had a faith. Jenny found him on Instagram later. These guys have a wonderful ministry. I didn't know this. Just some dude in a chair. But... We connected. I was able to help them, bless them, whatever you want to call it. But I'm impressed at their faith. We're going to go check out this submarine. I can't use my legs. I'll find a way down there. And then she says, maybe God will send somebody strong. And here comes me with bad back and no nostrils. (laughs) And Jenny says, will you help them? Yes. Every time. For 16 steps or 24 steps. It's a small thing, but it felt good to have my cape on that day. Are you wearing a cape? We should see capes blowing in the wind all around this place. Every one of us has an opportunity that when you're confronted with the choice, will you help them? I could have said, no, baby, my back hurts. I could have said, no, I can't breathe. I could have made any excuse. We could have took the early boat home. I could have been a jerk. I was kind of a jerk in the beginning, but (laughs) it worked out. Things coming off here. Hold on. What you do matters because you are a representative of Christ to your community. So when people look at your life, do they see a cape blowing in the wind? Or do they see your secret identity? I'm not gonna front and say I'm Superman all the time. I've wished out plenty of times. People ask you to pray, you're like, ugh, that's awkward. Or somebody says something and you know you could benefit, or you know you should probably pray for them, and you go, or you want to tell him, "Hey man, I'm a pastor. You can come to my church." or and it feels awkward sometimes. Maybe not for you, Eric. But sometimes it's awkward for me. And then I go, "Ooh, well, should I say this? Should I do this? Can I be Superman today? Can I be a superhero today? Oops, I left my cape at home." And you shrink back into your secret identity. What you do matters. And what you do with your money matters. Proverbs 3.9, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of your crops. And this is not about money. It's about your? That's right. Another way of saying first fruits is the best part of everything you produce. Are you putting God first in your time, in your money, in how you walk or how you present yourself? People ask all the time, why does God let bad things happen to good people? He doesn't, we do. Let that sink in for a second. Ask yourself, why is there homelessness in the world when we have the wealth and the means to give everyone a home? Why is there hunger? Is it because the planet can't produce enough food for everyone? No, we got plenty of food. We throw food away every day. But it's because someone or something chooses to profit off the food or somebody decides to leave their cape in the box. Some of us look at a situation that we could be Superman and we stay in our secret identity when you should be in that phone booth. Or better yet, kill Clark Kent and be Superman all the time. That's what being a follower of Christ means. It means being a superhero. It means my life is oriented to saving the world and not myself. You are called to save the world and not yourself. There is a light. And a power inside you that you tap into sometimes, but you can tap into all the time. I want you to kill Clark Kent and be Superman 24-7. I'm trying. I'm preaching to myself. I know when when my buddy, his name was Finesse, strange name, but that's it. When he died, they had a memorial at the boxing gym. And Jenny says, I said, I don't want to go. I'm just going to cry. And she says, what if somebody there needs you? That's my wife. Because even when I'm scared, she says, get in there. Even when I'm over here hiding because I don't want people to see that maybe I'm not as super as I think I am. She sees me and says, you're pretty stinking super. Now get in there and save somebody. (laughs) Hey, it's true. They say behind every good man is a good woman. I say she's right next to me. I say she's super, too. She's got a cape on. She saves people every day. She's a nurse. People come to her every day with problems, cancer, just pain, frustration, marital problems. And sometimes if she doesn't pray with them, she'll pray for them. Every day her cape is blowing in the wind. And I look at her and I go, man, how do you do that? She's like, I'm just trying to serve people. I'm just doing my job. I'm just trying to love people. And she has c- clients or patients that come in week after week, month after month for their, their chemo pills or their testosterone injections or, or changing the catheter. I'm not trying to be gross, but hey, a lot of those things happen at the urology office, okay? She is a superhero in her day-to-day job. Not all of us have a job that allows us to be a superhero, but we have a choice to make that we can be superheroes in our secular jobs. You're a teacher. You're a superhero 24-7. You're a salesperson? Well, are you helping people or are you trying to line your pockets? You have a choice to make on how you live your life. You have a choice to make of what kind of personality, what kind of image, what kind of identity you want to put out there. A lot of us, a lot of me, I know I've slinked back from opportunities to evangelize because I'm afraid of rejection or embarrassment or or changing the relationship. If I tell Stephen about Jesus, is it going to change our relationship at the basketball gym? Is he going to stop cursing when he gets a foul? Not that, you know, we curse. Never. (coughs) Bad joke, I'm sorry. But if I embarrass myself for Jesus, it's a victory. If I embarrass myself and I save someone else, it's worth it. In Justice League, they go back to their lives after they save the world. Spoiler alert, they win. They go back into hiding, and they go back to their secret identities. But Jesus needs full-time heroes, and he's hiring. Romans 12, 1, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Jesus called us to be a living sacrifice or a living testimony for him, full-time, no secret identities. So, this isn't about money. This is about... Money is a touchy subject in the church. When you see people asking for planes, you see people looking for, uh, you know, their giant houses. They live on these giant million-dollar campuses, right? But if we're called to be a living sacrifice, if we're called to have an identity, a, a superhero identity and not a secret identity then it's all about how you live. I'm going to finish with this. Your life is your identity. You show people your life by how you live. You show people how you live by what you love. You show people what you love by showing your heart. And you show people your heart by what you value. And you show people what you value by how you spend your time and how you spend your money. In other words, by your treasure. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. say it again, because sometimes when God gives me something to share, I don't get it right away. I jotted this down probably three or four weeks ago. I'm going to say it again. Your life is your identity. You show people your life by how you live, and you show people how you live by what it is that you love, and you show people what you love by showing what's in your heart. You show people what's in your heart by the things you value. And you show people what you value by how you spend, spend your time and how you spend your money. In other words, by your treasure. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. It feels like old times. (laughs) My mom had her tambourine. It's good to be back, and sometimes I wish I never left, but God was calling me to do something different. He called me to be a little uncommon. We're planting a church, and the name of the church is Uncommon because we desire to do things a little bit differently. But the message is the same. At Uncommon, we're just trying to be Jesus. We're just trying to be Superman. No secret identities. Our mission is to strengthen relationships with God and each other by removing obstacles that separate and building bridges to connect. Removing obstacles and building bridges. That's what we're trying to do. We're so right on the border of Santa Ana and Orange. There are a lot of unchurched and de-churched people. Unchurched meaning I've never been to church or I have been to church in over five years. Dechurched meaning I went and I left for some reason. I was hurt or something confused me or something offended me or something didn't make sense. So what we're trying to do is remove those obstacles, the things that separate people from Church. And from relationships with the Lord and relationships with each other and build bridges through serving the community and things like Young Lives and Trellis and those different partners that we've partnered with. We're looking to serve people to build those bridges to connect with God and to connect with each other. We're going to meet on Saturdays. And uh, a lot of people ask me outside, what's going on with your church? It's in Santa Ana. We're going to meet on Saturdays at 530. And our first preview service is on January 6th. You're all invited. You can all come check it out. But on Sunday, you got to come back here because uh, God's up to something here at Lighthouse. So you can come to both. (laughs) Now, this is all I had for today. But I'm going to ask Eric to come up. And he's going to pray for the offering. And I'm sorry for keeping the sniff. This sinus infection is no joke. But uh, I know pastors sometimes when they... Grab a mic, buddy. Oh, you're you're prepared. He's prepared. (laughs) A lot of times, pastors, I've been visiting a lot of churches, you'll hear a sermon and you're like, man, that reminds me of this. Or man, I really wish he had said this. Or that sparked this memory or this story or this whatever. And I wish, a lot of times, I wish, man, I wish I could share that. I wish I could tell somebody that. And so this is, just, I wanted to, to see if you had anything you wanted to add or say because I know I feel like sometimes I'm like, hey, that reminds me of this. So I just wanted to give you the floor. we got a little bit of time left. If you got anything you want to add to it, or uh, say and then pray for us, and we get out of here. Then.